0: Welcome to Radio Free Murktown, a podcast focusing on and funded by the gaming community at ExplorersUnlimited.com. More than just another play-by-post website, Explorers Unlimited is one of the world's largest online communities of Palladium Books fans who are taking part in a single epic storyline in each dimension within which all player characters can interact. Explorers Unlimited, where the only thing missing from the greatest adventures ever imagined is you. And now here's the host of Radio Free Murktown, Lloyd Ritchie. Welcome back to Radio Free Town. This
1: is episode number 52. Uh, Today we have uh, three panel guests, uh, Nathaniel, Kyle, and Brian. They'll be introducing themselves. And we will go through patron shoutouts and then two discussions, followed by a steam key giveaway for one of these gentlemen. Uh, Gentlemen, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, starting by the itinerary list.
0: My name is Nathaniel. I go by Nate. I play, or my GM account is Underguard, which is the one I'm on most of the time. I play in several different groups and AGM for a, co- AGM for a couple as well.
2: I'm Kyle. Uh, my GM account is Sum of All Fears. Uh, I have a couple other player accounts and I am uh, Underguard's uh, AGM as well.
3: Brian, AKA Dark Lord, the Rules Guru slash Phase World DM slash Galactic Adventurers GM. In addition, I play Ronith in Heroes for Hire and Veld in the Spook Squad.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, Kyle, you're a
3: fairly new GM on EU.
1: Uh, Nate's been around for a couple months now, and Brian, of course, is an old hand. Uh, is that about correct?
2: Uh, yes, um, my GM account was created four days ago, I believe. Um, but uh, I'm picking up the uh, the, the um, Murktown Armored Recon Service guys. Uh, they were a group that was in trouble. Um, and I'm picking them back up to see if we can uh, save them. We've got six people interested out of eight so far. So I think we're, we're going to do uh, pretty good with them.
1: Well, fantastic. you got some uh, experience to draw on uh, in the GM's cabal. Um, let me cut to, since this is going to want to segue directly into our conversation, let me get the shout outs for our pick new patrons out of the way. Uh, this is covering the period of March and April. Uh, Shout out to Anthony Dunn, Daniel Fackelman, Dan Frederick, uh, a returning patron, uh, James Marlowe, returning patron, uh, Boyce Towel, uh, Rob's uh, uglier, more evil brother, um, David Mercer, and uh, Tim Brown, actually upgraded uh, his patron account. So kudos to all of you, and uh, thanks for your support. Gentlemen, the big discussion topic of this episode uh, should be potentially controversial, as this is gonna depend a lot on one's philosophy of gaming. Um, The question uh, was posed by Jim, who is himself a new GM, and his question is, GMs, when might you go tough on your players, and when might you go more easy? So I'm leaving, I'm opening this one up to anyone who wants to jump in (laughs) right off the bat, because I think we can all read the subtext there, right?
0: Well, I like the idea of going from most experience, so starting with Brian here.
3: (laughs) Well, I can't help but wonder uh, which of us prompted that particular question from Jim. Uh, There's a, there's a. Well, I don't know, because there's a small chance he could be thinking of me, because I am pitting my players against a simply brutally unfair encounter right now, where they're going to be lucky to escape with their lives and uh so so the question is when do you when do you hit them hard and when do you take it easy uh you know as with a lot of things balance is important uh if if they're getting a little complacent a little cocky they haven't had any armor or anything destroyed in a little while you know throw them something that's a bit of an uphill battle and make them uh make them bleed for it a little bit but at the same time you know if it's all a slog all the time that's not much fun over the long run so you gotta try and gauge the mood of people uh, in chat and uh, you know just do your best to read the room and and mix it up there's definitely a place for both putting the screws to them and taking it easy and uh, you just gotta you know you gotta do what's most appropriate for the narrative and for making a fun game uh, I like to think their current impossible encounter is uh, serving a couple of narrative purposes. The the basic idea is I'm introducing uh, super soldiers that are scaled up to Phase World power levels, which has proven challenging for uh, a lot of characters who normally rely on just putting out a lot of damage to win fights. Uh, anyway, that's that's my take on it. But I can now yield the floor to some of the some of the new guys to see what they think.
0: I think uh, reading the players um, plays in heavily with me and how often or we got into this conversation a little bit in the chat when it was brought up specifically and uh, it was brought up about a specific type of uh, power being used or how often they try to abuse a certain aspect of their different characters. Um, When it comes to individual players, I tend to be more lenient on the players that are more understanding in the given situation. So if they are not getting what they wanted and they're not throwing a fit about it, if they go with the flow of it, they might find that they get something that they actually do really want down the road um, as a sort of reward for putting up with it or or continuing on going down the track. Those that tend to argue or try to fight their way through it, um, I might be a little bit more aggressive towards. Not necessarily focusing them, but not always catering to them either in conjunction with what Brian was saying about reading the floor and um, making sure that they're not too complacent. I took over uh, AA professional services in the middle of a GM mess where the last GM had left. The AGM was kind of um, in and out. There were no notes on it. Uh, and they were in a very, very challenging near mini epic level campaign um so i was rather benevolent for that throughout that whole adventure because that single arc took over two years to complete in real time uh and i didn't as painful as that arc could have been given what it was i was a lot more lenient on a lot of what they did that way i could just get them back get them through the arc get them home let them do the projects that they had been trying to do for two years uh, and then submit them to my arc, which they may find is not as lenient at, or benevolent as the end of the arc that I had to fashion to try to keep up with the story. So I take I take what the players go through as a person, as players, into heavy consideration with how I'm treating them. What's your thoughts, Kyle?
2: So uh, this will be my first time GMing over a uh, play by post. Everything else has been done. Um... Uh, face-to-face tabletop style and uh, in doing in doing like face-to-face stuff you can um, reading the room is easier because you can see facial expressions you can get the like the little micro expressions that you can't get over just chat Um, but I do believe that the um, Brian has hit that on the head you do have to read the room um, mostly for being able to like see where the players are you know Um, And like Nate said, you know, you've got some of the players who are all about, hey, I want, I want, I want, I want, and sometimes you do have to take them down a level or two, but you also don't want to make whatever you're doing so uh, marrow blasting that you annihilate the lower level uh, players who are just trying to come up into their own. So uh, it really is a balancing game of being able to tailor um, your encounters and Sometimes not even just uh, combat encounters, but uh, role-playing encounters as well. Um, a lot of people focus, like, think of, hey, if it's, you know, being tough on them, it's always, you know, you have to be in combat. But uh, um, I I, th- I think I've come up with something for uh, some of the Mars guys based on their some of their past yeah, um, 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 experiences or uh, past transgressions which should put them in a tough spot where they can't actually shoot their way out. They have to use their skills. They have to talk and they have to role play instead of just being able to shoot their way out of every
1: situation. So um, nobody brought up the subtext that I think was there from Jim. So I'm gonna go ahead and invoke that and uh, make, it, uh, make it explicit. I think he might've been uh, asking and I could be wrong here, but it's an interesting point about GM dice fudging, because there's you know if there's difficulty in an adventure and boy you know there's no balance in, in Palladium, there's that's not even a concept in, in in the system. So you know GMs have to use their discretion and and uh, do what they can to either please everybody, which we all know how that goes. <laughs> or what have you. But I think he was talking about the like GM's discretion in the dice fudging. And we, I don't know, uh, they, I could be wrong, but there's, there's an angle I would love to hear people's takes on. Uh, so I, I like the order that went in, so let's do that again.
3: Um, I am completely and unapologetically open to the idea of fudging dice rolls, whenever that proves necessary. Um, you know, having said that, that begs the question, when does it prove necessary? And, uh, you know, again, there isn't a hard answer for that. Um, I would say something like, you know, bad guy rolls a natural 20 and kills a character through no fault of their own. That's, that's something where you can maybe either pretend they didn't roll a natural 20 or have them hit somebody else, try and spread the damage out a little bit. Um... But that's, that's really the main example I can think of. By and large, you want to try and not back yourself into a corner in terms of planning your adventures. Uh, and that means you know, having room in your outline for the dice to go any which way. So it's, it's important to leave yourself a bit of a margin of error in terms of planning the difficulty of encounters, planning the difficulty of puzzles, Uh, you know, the number of skills or other abilities that the players will need in order to solve a particular challenge. Um, But having said that, you can't prepare for every eventuality. Uh, You can't anticipate, you know, how the players will think about every little thing or whether they'll get uh, a solution or whether they'll just end up stumped and frustrated. And so... I think to a certain extent that comes down again to reading the room and and trying to see, you know, are they not having fun with this? Is this proven to be more of a grind and something that's enjoyable? In which case, you know, really the dice become of secondary importance to sort of getting the game back on track and making sure people have fun. But at the same time, uh, you need to be careful not to be too liberal with that sort of thing, because. you know, if the dice are at least to a certain extent sacrosanct, um, they provide kind of an emotional weight to the players. There's suspense. There's tension. And you know, if if your players sort of catch wind of the fact that you know the GM, well, the GM probably isn't going to let anything too terrible happen to us, then you kind of lose a healthy chunk of your power, and you really gotta you know, maim a couple guys or put some people into comas to remind them, hey, you know, take this stuff seriously. Uh, so that's my take on that. You know, GMs shouldn't be afraid of fudging the dice uh, or any of the rules, really, if it's in the service of making a fun game. Uh, but at the same time, they should try to plan in such a way that they don't really need to do that or do that as little as possible.
0: To caveat on that, um, I agree. I unapologetically admit that I that fudging is something that can be done, used when needed. Um, for for a prime example, one of my favorite examples to use on that type of idea is if a team goes again purposefully ignores the hints and goes tries to attack a stronghold that is obviously overpowered, quite obviously in, through descriptive text going to be impossible to defeat and whatnot. They still want to try to go and attack this thing. At that point, I'm unapologetic with the dice and I'll let them learn their lesson. Um, Because if the descriptive text was there, anyone who's played in the games that I run, I'm very much a cinematic writer. I uh, I prefer writing out descriptive scenes, descriptive combat, um, not this person shoots three times and then move on. I like writing out what happens during that combat sequence. So, I'll reward the players for that in, that, in those types of situations um, or punish them, um, respectively. Uh, I don't fudge the dice very often. I only do in extreme circumstances. If they were in such a situation where they might um, be killed through narrow fault of their own, through something that they can't get out of, then I'll be a little bit more lenient on them trying to get away um with my dice rolls against theirs that said i'm not afraid of my dice and i like using them because the dice gods often do favor the gm in a lot of situations and that's one thing that you do miss a lot on with play by post is the dm screen um but i'll caveat from there and give it to kyle who's newer and has done only in in person for the most part
2: yeah, oh, well, actually, Nate's played in one of my uh, in-person ones, so, so we. Used to I search. have. Um, but uh, Nate, Nate should also know that I, in every one that I've run, I've actually been the opposite mind of uh, both Brian and Nate of uh, dice fudging. Um, I believe that the dice are kind of the equalizer, and the dice are the dice. What happens, happens. Now, am I going to uh, blast a character? Um, because the uh, enemy rolled a natural 20? No. um, The great thing about uh, Palladium, and especially uh, the Rifts universe, is that there are multiple places that they can get hit. And, you know, hey, uh, this person's chest armor is completely obliterated. Uh, uh, the, The enemy rolls another natural 20 to hit him again. Well, maybe instead of just killing the character outright, I can choose where that hit lands, you know? Definitely, he's feeling it. Definitely, he's not happy about it, but he's not dead. The character's still there and able to do something as a reaction to that.
1: To quote Brian, uh, why kill a character when you can torture them?
0: Right, And, and to caveat on a little bit of not fudging too much so that the GMs, so that the players don't become too complacent, something that I do miss truly from tabletop, play by post, is when you have the people or versus play by post is when you have the people sitting around you and you have that awesome dm screen the um and and anonymity of the dice roll that you roll and watching your players reactions to not knowing what the dice are behind your little screen knowing that it controls their fate is something i do miss from play by po- moving into play by post away from tabletop um because there is that level of in 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 On tabletop, dice fudging, I feel happens less because you're actually, you you are always rolling the dice right there in front of them and you are seeing their reactions and they're like, oh crap, what's happening to us next? Kind of thing. So, uh, just to
1: put my two cents in on this, I uh, do uh, fudge the dice behind the jam screen. It's a confession, but I don't do it often. And I have a, a, a very well defined, if subjective, Standard for doing so, and that is: is it dramatic? The example uh, many people have given is the character dying through no fault of his own, but because the dice just happened to roll bad. Well, that's not dramatic. That's that's anti-dramatic, right? Uh, oh, hey, you just happened to get an at twenty, and the die, the damage rolls were just happened to be so bad that. Hey, your character's just dead. One shot, and it's inconsequential. It doesn't serve the narrative. It's just boring and kind of dissatisfying. So I don't, I'm not cool with that. If that happens, then I will, hey, you know, maybe blow a hand off. And oh, well, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's what? biosystems if you're a mage. <laughs> you got options in riffs. Um, and the other thing is uh, the, the flip side of that. If it would be totally anti-climatic for the big bad guy to get iced with, the, with, a, with a nat 20 to the head, well, I'm not going to let that happen. That's just anti-climatic. It's not dramatic, uh, you know, under most situations. And especially if you want the, that guy to be a recurring villain. It's like, no, 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 no. Now, this doesn't serve the narrative. It might serve the player's goals, but that doesn't serve the narrative. And the narrative comes first, the drama. Uh, you want a satisfying story, and you know, hey, uh, recurring villains can be ultimately be, but it's much more satisfying if they're a real challenge. And you know, they've they managed to either slip out of the character's grasp, uh, once or twice, uh, you know, or soundly defeat the the, the characters or what have you, uh, you know. the. There's a, there's a lot of really good examples for this, but whatever's dramatic, that's my standard. Uh, if it's the if, if, it's, if the scene isn't isn't dramatic, if the uh, fetching of the dice doesn't serve the drama, then I won't do it. If that means uh, your character loses a fancy toy, eh, too bad. You know, uh, I don't care about your gear at all, players. Not a bit. Care about your characters and you having fun with them. So don't get too tied up in your your gear, but definitely look to the development of your character. I've been really trying to focus on this in the uh, Roll20 campaigns and using downtime for that purpose and other stuff. Uh, And, you know, they're not very gear-centric campaigns that I'm learning, and for for that reason. Because, okay, a really cool power armor is maybe useful, but it's not, dramatic so let's let's serve the drama let's serve the narrative
2: well and see i i, I don't know I'm, I'm i'm actually gonna have to disagree and maybe it's because i haven't actually run a game on um on play by post yet but i um i don't know like like kind of like nate i'm a very descriptive person so like i will as a player i will attach descriptions to like emphasize what exactly i'm doing um at least when i was at um face-to-face playing and face-to-face GMing there were always uh, greater descriptions provided for actions. So that way it would be, you know, you would get the drama in in the narrative that was created out of the dice rolls. And sometimes it would, you know, completely go in a direction that I never anticipated. I remember creating a uh, um, a huge boss fight for these guys and they, they breezed through it with ease and I was a little upset at that. But no more than like an hour later, two players are dead and it was because of their own dice rolls. They accidentally shot each other or uh, actually they, they accidentally uh, um, killed each other because of bad dice rolls um, on a uh, random level one guard encounter when they
1: were trying to sleep. (laughs) That's horrible.
0: (laughs) I can caveat on that a little bit too, because I, when I'm usually writing stories or Arcs, as it were, campaigns. I write as though I'm giving where I want them to go, where they're starting at, not necessarily how they're getting there. Things that they can look for, things that they can try to do, but nothing that I don't know where they're going. They can, as as a GM, as players, I've I I found it more enjoyable for me to respond and see where they're going based on their intentions. I'm not. I very rarely will force. narrative uh in a specific direction unless they really need to make a right turn at this light like they can't go left or straight period you can't go re- you can't go reverse like this this needs to happen but in order to serve the actual plot or mission that they're trying to accomplish otherwise it'll cause a complete revamp um which I'm not necessarily against but I like to let them find their way and then Continue on from there. When it comes to reoccurring villains, I don't make villains necessarily with the intent for them to be reoccurring. If they become reoccurring, awesome. If they don't, awesome. If I built one to become reoccurring and it dies, uh oh, he had a brother or something along those lines develops. And now it adds a personal vendetta. Now it adds a per, and it adds new flavor to the story for me when I'm doing it that way. Um, so, because as much as Getting a random sniper headshot on the uh, final boss and popping your brains out. And I'm like, okay, I didn't expect that roll. And he he failed his dodge check. He failed his parry check. The player gotten that 20 and almost max damage. Okay, we'll make this cool. Let's see what happens. And then I'll throw in a curveball. But they can have the kill kind of thing.
1: I coming, well, there's two points there. One, I'm not talking about railroading. Uh, that's it. Oh, it's a distinctly separate thing. Uh, but this comes down to a basic philosophical difference with, of, regarding the dice. And this is why uh, so I was like, it's probably gonna be controversial uh, because there are some players who view the dice as sacrosanct and you know, uh, as, as like an objective arbiter of fate. And then there are others who do not, who view them as a tool. And, you know, this is just, this is a divide, which is never going to go away. (laughs) Uh, Just as long as players know, hey, this is how I roll. (laughs) I think everyone's, everyone is well served and there's no wrong way to have fun.
0: Not to quote Pirates of the Caribbean, but to quote Pirates of the Caribbean, I like to view them as the code. They're more like guidelines than actual rules. Follow them for the most part. For me, anyways, I follow them. 95, 96% of the time. Well, yeah, most of the time.
1: They're not, it, it, you know, they're not, uh, uh, whatever their outcome is, isn't hyper dramatic. It isn't going to uh, change the nature of the story. It isn't going to turn the climax into a denouement. It, 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 it's not going to do all that. Uh, sometimes these things will. And if you're, a, if you're a stickler on the objectivity and sacrosanctness of the dice, then you're going to simply accept that denouement and re-jigger things and get creative. Which, I mean, being creative is a, one of the fun parts about being a GM. Uh, and and, uh, <laughs> and this almost invariably happens in Roll20, just FYI, because it is basically like face-to-face because you get to see the dice rolls of the GM. and There's no GM screen, which kind of sucks. But uh, anyway, sidetracked. So any last last words, uh, Brian, on this uh, on this subject matter?
3: No, I think I'm good.
1: All right. Well let's uh, let's segue in to our tips for players to remain engaged. They don't have a lot to work with from a GM post. So uh, I will uh, I'll let uh, you know let's reverse the order. Let's let's have Kyle go forward. He's he's been a face-to-face GM, so he has experience in this. But this is a play by verse thing, so let your inexperience shine, sir. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so, and I've, I've actually come across this myself. Um, you know, like the, the GM post is uh, centric on a different side of a ship or something like that, and um, my character has little to do. It's not that my character has little to do. It's more that I just need to figure out, what else to have my character do. So, you know, whilst some things may have just been single line acknowledged by the GM, you know, it, it, it comes into more uh, introspection for the character, like breaking down more thought, um, more thought post. And then if there's another character around, you can, instead of talking to like the GM, you talk to the other characters and hopefully with their feedback, you can start, um, gaining more more things to do there's more dialogue options when you're talking with other players um as opposed to just i have one line from the gm and that's all i'm gonna uh write
0: about to segue into that there's a uh i am a, I am an avid user i love skills i love riffs because of how many different skills that they have even if the skills aren't always centric on something I don't need the skills that I have to technically be important to the GM if I don't have anything to work with from a GM post. The skills that my character has in either, uh, in either occupational class related or secondary um, help me figure out different things that my character can accomplish in their given environment, even without much to work with from a GM. If I'm, in, if I, if my character is a soldier and he doesn't have much to work with okay that's fine but i can still roll a military tactics i can still roll some other idea or i can still look at these skills and think on these skills roll them if need be um to try to see what else my character can do for a different um room or situation if there's other players responding to them uh more like kyle was saying as well to Kind of more piggyback on that Uh, introspection, working through a problem in my character's head, uh, and then seeing how it plays out. Hopefully giving the GM enough to work with from my post to then give me enough to move forward in the next post. Uh, It is something that we have to kind of battle with on play-by-post settings because we're posting once at most maybe twice a week, depending on how active your group is um, and your GM is. But it's nothing like a tabletop setting where you're going to cover, uh, you would cover the equivalent of eight or nine weeks worth of role play in a single setting, if not more, based on what you're doing uh, in tabletop versus play by post. So you have to be creative. And also the fact that our posts are directly related to our experience. And we have to meet certain criteria on each of our posts to make sure that we get proper amounts of experience has made me really dig more into my skills and what my characters can do.
3: Yay, my forcing helped. So I think there are two answers to this question, depending on sort of how habitual it is, because I think that is one of the things uh, some new GMs to play by post have a, sometimes a hard time adjusting to, is the need to make sure there's something kind of hanging in every post that every character can react to. And that's not always going to be possible, you know, in situations where you really just need the leader to make a decision and take the lead on making the plan and so forth. And when that happens, uh, you know, as Nathaniel said, you can rely on uh, skill roles, That's that's a good choice. Try and scope out the situation, see what expertise you might be able to add. Uh, what Kyle said is also good. You know, look for other characters in the scene to interact with, be they NPCs or other PCs. Uh, and if it's an occasional thing, you know, some of the characters, like during a briefing who aren't the leader, uh, you know, might have to basically be quiet and write more introspective posts. And that's that's good to do every once in a while, but it's more of a problem when it becomes habitual. And uh, the thing I would say there is players shouldn't be afraid to, you know, nicely say to their GM, you know, I could use a little bit of something to react to in this post. If I do X, do I get anything or something like that? So I, I would encourage you know, players that are maybe having a, a habitual problem with this to bring it up to their GMs and maybe have some constructive suggestions for skills or other abilities that you can use that are sensory or information in nature and might help add to the scene a little bit. Uh, and I think as most GMs get used to writing these kinds of posts, they can understand the need to plant you know three or four different hooks in a post that different characters can react to in different ways. Uh, so yeah that's that's how i would suggest trying to address that problem
1: and so i heard a lot of good stuff uh and how much of it covers a lot of what i i normally suggest which is like kyle said uh, interaction with characters or or uh, npcs so that's always good and that can sometimes engender further post replies within the week so that can actually help really build up your post rate which gets you more experience, which is, I mean, it's just a cumulative net win for everybody. You interact as a group, boy, they it really really rewards everybody for that, uh, which, I mean, that's what we do at an actual tabletop when we're playing. It's, I mean, if there's argument and discussion amongst the players, the game is, is successful, because that's, I mean, that's what the game, that's what the whole game is about, if, you know, role-playing. Um, you know, unless it's like about the rules. I mean, it's just a total drive. Uh, okay, so the next thing would be the uh, that I would actually suggest, and I this has been echoed already, and that is the introspection. This is how you get to know your character. This is how other people get to know your character. I mean, there's what they say, sure, and that's what maybe, I'm not sure it's all about, all they actually hear. But boy, when you're reading somebody else's post and you read their internal monologue, that tells you, well, that really characterizes, the character gives them some depth, especially if it's, you know, if, oh my God, some of the best posts I've, I've ever read are almost entirely internal monologues where they're recalling an experience, which, you know, uh, their in-character moment uh, makes them flash back on. And they recollect, oh, that drill sergeant back in boot, blah, 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 blah. It's just like this, That's amazing. That is fantastic stuff. That's the stuff you can't get, actually, in tabletop. So it's way better. It's one of the few things that, Tip- that Playback Post has over a tabletop experience, in addition to you know being able to think your things through more, more concretely. Uh, but then there's the, the third one, and Nate seemed to kind of hint at this uh, with the skills, and that is your environment. So if you don't have much to react to, maybe the GM didn't paint the scene very well. Uh, maybe you can look into that. There's you know uh, digging into what's what's around, what is around me, uh, investigating into it. Uh, there's just interacting with your environment. Uh, you know in, in a kind of meta way, in a kind of a meta sense, you know NPCs and other characters are part of the environment. Well, so is the actual environment, the physical environment. Uh, What's around you? How are you interacting with it? Is there something in the environment that's giving you the heebie-jeebies or that makes you recollect? And boom, there's your internal monologue. And I think Brian offered a really good suggestion, which is, hey, contact your GM. Like, if if you're missing something, if you're like, "Ah, I don't have much really to work with, and you don't want to necessarily do this thing on your own or it becomes – Kind of routine, then maybe just I am your GM and be like, hey, um, what can you tell me about this in this post? Because I don't seem to have much really to respond to. And I can do an internal monologue and da 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 da, but I'd really like to be able to engage with the story a little bit more. That's a very way to say to both criticize and compliment. I'd like to engage with the story more. That uh, that shows interest, and that's. Kind of respectful, and GMs love that. And at the same time, it's like, hey, but I'm kind of lacking. So it's a good, a good way to do criticism. So without actually doing either. So it's fantastic. Um, so contact your GMs if, you're, if you find you have a little too little to work with. Um, any uh, any further thoughts on that, John?
3: I, I have one last thought that I'd like to make a plug for. Uh, to to all the GMs who kind of struggle at times for giving all of their players something to react to. I think one of the best things you can do is, when you first start writing your GM post, uh, load the in-game thread and read through every PC post that's been made since your last GM post. Just read through it one more time and write like a one or two sentence summary of what it is they tried to do and make sure you include any skills or abilities and that kind of thing uh, that they try to do. That way, uh, those kind of sentences can serve as the outline for the first half of your, of your GM posts, where you resolve the player's intentions in terms of their actions. And it can give you uh, a lot of guidance in terms of information to give them, and other kind of tidbits that you can use to keep them engaged without necessarily distracting from the main story by having you know, a million things going on at once. So, uh, I would encourage new GMs to start there in terms of looking for things to give their players to react to.
0: And I, I use that method frequently. I love that method, uh, and I found myself doing that as soon as I took over APS. I would like to second Brian's men, uh, mention on that because that has helped me in the creation of descriptive GM posts that do usually give everyone something to respond to. I haven't had that complaint come down to me yet. I've only been jamming on EU for a little under a year at this point, but still um, doing that method has saved me a lot of grief.
3: And players like it when they think you're incorporating the details of their posts into the narrative, even if it's not in a manner that they intend or otherwise successful.
1: This is a little inside baseball, but the first thing I do once I put up the basic GM placard with the conditions and the <laughs> in-progress note is I literally quote or copy and paste every player post and put it under its own uh, subheading within the GM post. Then I rephrase what they wrote in a way that both conveys the proper grammar for whatever's, whatever's going on, like they did it <laughs> instead of they will do, you know, stuff like that, um, but also what the results are. So I don't overlook that. Uh, one of the things I do sometimes miss, and probably reflected in the last my last uh, JTFA post, was any kind of follow-up after that, although that may be an outlier since it was a finale post uh, of sorts. But uh, this is one of the things I, I, I've, I've learned to do so that I never miss a character. Because, I mean, it's one thing if they don't have a lot to work with, it's another if you've completely overlooked the uh that get that solicits an entirely different kind of response sometimes <laughs> and it's not a good one
2: no i have definitely been taking notes uh from everybody so thank you
1: well that's kind of what this whole podcast series is for right it's uh helping players helping gms and uh, us getting an opportunity and an excuse to bullshit about what we're doing a it and what's happening and, uh what's developing on the site uh so we're about- think about 40 minutes into it. Uh, If you guys want to, do you guys want to rehash either of those, uh, any bits for those two previous topics? I'm good.
0: Also good. I think we covered them fairly well.
1: All right. Fantastic. I was like, "Eh, you know, know." sometimes uh, I'll transition when somebody still has some, some, you know, some, some gristle on the bone they want to chew. So let's uh, cut to the Steam Key giveaway and uh, we will, quickly get on from there uh so this pretty much uh wraps things up and uh, gentlemen if you've got any uh promos to do or anything like that now's the time to do it uh brian it's on
3: you i don't think so my dimension is pretty full up uh if you want to get in on the galactic adventures get in line because i have a wait list at this point the rogues aren't much better so yeah it's keep listening to the podcast there you go <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, keep listening to the podcast. Uh, the uh, There are openings in the uh, Rift's Earth universe. Uh, actually, I think most groups have several openings, except for uh, the group that Nate's running.
0: Yeah, so to caveat on that, my, the group that I took over, luckily, happily still has all eight members and didn't actually lose any members throughout that whole debacle. Gained a couple, I think. Um, however, Girls, I think, needs... Could use another member, and that is a group that IGM Lloyd in here. So, that's a fun one to play in. My condolences. Yeah. For who, Lloyd, or me? No,
3: for you, for you. Oh
0: no, it's a lot of fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: um, yeah, and I'm the group leader by default because Cat bounced. Uh, okay, so the Steam code is going up. You have thirty seconds to click on the party favor uh, to get your hand on and on the Steam code, and. Uh, if you don't want it, don't worry about it. Your 30 seconds are starting now. This is in the Discord uh, radio framework time text chat.
0: That's a long 21 seconds. It sure
1: is. Rope. Boom! That would be Kyle. All righty, Kyle. Woo. Take, just lag. <laughs> All right. It's what do you Carson. win? You uh, win? R- Rising Storm 2 Vietnam plus two DLCs. Okay. My bad. So if you'll if you'll toss your email up in the uh, Radio Free on text chat, I will email you your Steam key. All right, uh, Kylie, you should you have your uh, your you should have your your Steam key in your email, and uh, gentlemen, that falls or an end to the episode uh i'll be popping on the tabletop simulator and uh we'll, we'll get a game going here in about 15 minutes or so for those interested and uh other than that have a
0: nice night
3: have, have fun night. catch you guys later
0: have
3: a good night
0: this has been radio free Murktown, a wmrk production Contact us at radiofreemurktown@gmail.com at gmail.com and support Radio Free Murktown on Patreon for as little as $2 per month. Visit us on the web at ExplorersUnlimited.com for more information.